We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. So we'll continue. We're still exploring this, the scope of that message. And we're now at, at number four of that message, which was the redemptive plan of God in Christ. We're now at the sixth part of that. So 4.6, if you may. Right? So 4.1, he was slain from the foundation of the world. Point two, he was born of a woman in due time. Three, he lived under and fulfilled the law. Four, he was crucified, died, and was buried. Five, he resurrected and ascended. And six, today, 4.6, he paid the penalty in full for all our sins and reconciled us to the Father. And I'm sure we have we've said a lot about that in the subsequent parts, but I'll just take time and, and open that up a bit for us. And then once we finish this, we'll go into the purpose of that plan. The purpose of the redemptive plan. Why do we preach the gospel? Then we begin to explore the culture of the kingdom. And I'm looking forward to that. Exploring the culture of the kingdom, understanding the culture of the kingdom, introducing the culture of the kingdom, understanding the gospel of the kingdom, the culture of the kingdom, practicing the culture of the kingdom, applying the culture of the kingdom, enforcing the culture of the kingdom, and perpetuating the, go- the culture of the kingdom. So let's, let's, let's explore um, that he paid the penalty for all our sins and reconciled us to the Father. It, it brought to mind a teaching we, we did sometime last year, early last year, um, when we explored the Great Exchange. The Great Exchange came to mind and then atonement came to mind. Remember when we did atonement? At one meant. Remember? We, we talk about sins and we don't, I think somehow we have this wishful thinking that God just decided to not punish our sins because of Jesus. You know what I mean? God is just so, so sweet, so loving. He just decided he's not going to mind your sin again. He's not, he was just so benevolent. He decided, you know what? You, you know, you, you sinned against me. You know what? I'm letting you go. Yeah. Let us know what happened. Because God is just. And his justice has never changed. The fact that God is not angry at you now doesn't mean he's not angry at sin. Do you understand? He has never stopped He has never gotten to the point where he can now tolerate sin. So what he did was not to say, well, I know you sin, forgive me. No, no, it was God was just. And in his justice, somebody had to pay for sin. The soul that sinneth, it shall die till today. That's why if you remove the cross from the equation, man, there's no equation, no. Do you understand? There's no equation. So our sins were not excused. And at the same time, it wasn't like God felt like, you know what, these people, I've tried to get them to pay for their sin. They can't pay. It's a bad debt. You know? So let me just, let me just cancel the debt. You know? So let's explore that. Every sin is punished. Can we say that together? Every sin. No sin goes unpunished. 
No sin went unpunished. No sin will go unpunished. Mm. No sin goes unpunished. No sin has gone unpunished. No sin will ever go unpunished. And the question, it becomes a question of at what point and to whom is the punishment happening? We said a few weeks ago that every sin, when Christ was on the cross, he stayed there as long as it took for the sins of the entire world, past, present, and future, to be all loaded upon him. So is all sin punished? Yes. Sins unsinned, punished? Yes. Sins being sinned, punished? Yes. Sins that have been sinned, punished? Yes. The question is, who took the punishment for you to walk free? And that's the concept of atonement. So atonement is not necessarily just letting you go. Is somebody standing in or you standing in to make up for what you did wrong? It's a legal act. Atonement suggests somebody standing in and saying, you know what, this guy did wrong. Let me take his place. Let me, let me take his place. So the justice of God necessitated atonement. His nature does not change. And so our justification was a legal act of God in which someone took what we deserved and we got what he deserved. Our justification is a legal act of God in which he took what we deserved and we got what he deserved. That's the great exchange, isn't it? We know that him, though he knew no sin, became sin that we may become his righteousness in Christ. So, but in the justice of God, in the wrath of God, we see his love. So all sin must be punished. And there's only one way to punish sin. Death. So death is not just the consequence of sin. Death is also the punishment for sin. Death is not just the consequence for sin. Death is the punishment for sin. Because death came into the world by sin. And sin leads to death. Do you get it? How did death come into the world? By sin. What does sin lead to when fully born? According to James. Death. The wages of sin, the payment for sin, the price of sin is death. Physical, spiritual. That's why believers in Christ don't die. Even physically. <laughs> it says I'm the resurrection and the life. If anyone believes on me, he doesn't die. Because if he dies according to your natural standards, he will live again. So I don't die. On the earth, physically, when my time is up, I'll sleep. Because death is... So the wages of sin is death. Sin is only punished one way. Death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Now, in the justice of God, all of us ought to die. In the justice of God, by the time he finished, there will be nobody left. Talk to me now. Nobody. Because all have sinned. 
That's scary verse. That you always read alone. Even though we never ended there. Verse 23 of Romans 3. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Brethren, the Bible says. No, 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 no. The Bible doesn't say. That statement is a long statement with the full stop is at verse 26. By the end of the full stop, it says, We have all been justified freely by him who is just and the justifier of all them that believe. It's good news. It's good news. All I've seen is not where it ends. All I've seen that furniture of the glory. Yeah, that was past tense. But now we have been freely justified so that he might be the just and the justifier of all them that believe. So the wages of sin is that if all of us died, which we all ought to die, and then, which we all died. If we all died, then there'll be nobody left. And then the whole plan of God getting many sons becomes kaput. Yeah? He'll end up with the same one son. And that wasn't the plan. The plan wasn't only begotten. The plan was many sons in glory. So in God's justice, his love kicks in. And what does his love suggest? Let's, let's, let's bring another species of man. Because if a man fell, a man has to pay. So let's bring a species of man. And since he was a prototype that fell, stay with me. Since he was a prototype that fell, and therefore everything that came as the seed of that prototype was sinful, and then began to sin because they were sinful. Original sin, imputed sin, acts of sin. So we didn't start to sin by acts. We started to sin by nature. And out of the nature came acts of sin. But that first nature resulted from one act of sin. Act in one person who is a prototype gives birth to a nature. And that nature in all the offspring gives birth to natures of sin. Out of which come acts of sin. So that's, we, we can't, when we deal with sin or talk about sin, if we must, we cannot deal with acts of sin. We have to address the nature of sin. Because once that's fixed, the acts of sin die. And so why we're not big on sin is because when he came, he took care of the nature of sin. So we live above sin. Not above wrongdoing. But above the nature, proclivity, natural inclination to sin. So he now brings another man of a new order. And because this man is a prototype, whatever this guy goes through is consequential upon every offspring that comes from him. If this one prototype sinned as an act, nature ensued and it passed down to everybody, born of a woman. And we have to therefore kill everybody born of a woman. That's the only way to deal with sin. Yeah? But, and that's the justice of God. And God will not be wrong in doing that. Because he's a just God. But in his love, he then brings another prototype of man. Man. It was the man Jesus that died. Do you understand? So when Paul tells Timothy, we have one mediator, the man, Jesus Christ. It was a superhuman God, you know, whether capital G or small g. 
it was a man that died. That man was a fresh prototype. And therefore, God figured in his love, if this man can do it for everybody, then everybody is saved. If this man could do what he did and everybody became a sinner, then this one man can do it for everybody and everybody is saved. So in God's justice, we all ought to die and we are in the queue for death. But in God's love, he brings a fresh prototype and then decides to heap the sins of the whole of mankind on this one dude and feels satisfied that if he punishes this one man, he has punished the whole world. That's the love of God. As he beats up on this one man, he justifies everybody else who ought to die. So from one man dying, everybody who ought to die, died. That's what Paul means when he says, we died with him. It wasn't just that Christ died, you know, on the cross. Ah, give up the ghost. And then we figuratively died. No, that's not what it means. It means that in his dying, we died. So God looks at me and, and, and I can't be punished for sin because I have died to pay the price for my sin. I just happen to be alive by a new life. Yes. Uh, uh, I told you we're just getting started. Do you understand what I've just said? So the price has been paid. My price was paid in Christ. Jesus, the man. Are we together? So he took upon him the sins of the entire world. And he was bruised. And then it's pleasing God. Isaiah 53, 10, 11. To bruise him. So as he dies, the sins of this entire corrupted mankind dies. And everybody who is now born again. That's what it means. You were born into the first man. Now you're born again into the second man. As you were born a default sinner to this man. You are now born default righteous to this man. It's a legal transaction. It's not some random stuff. It's not God just saying, you know what? No, 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 no. It's a legal transaction. So that's why we can come boldly. Because what Jesus did, my own was inside. That's the boldness. That is the believer's authority. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. Is anybody getting stuff? Yeah. Listen, it gets more exciting. It just gets, it just never stops. Yeah. Just never stops. Never stops. Hebrews chapter 12. The Lord help me. I'll read a lot of scriptures tonight if we can. Let's go from verse 1 just um, for context. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God, of the throne of God. I don't want to get distracted, but it says there, and some of us have never understood this, that he is the author and the finisher or the perfecter of your faith. Therefore, the faith that God gave you in Jesus is perfect. Yeah. When it says in Hebrews 2, 8, by grace are you saved through faith, and that, not of yourselves. 
It is the gift of God, not of works. The, the not of works there is not you being saved. The not of works is the faith that you have by which you are saved. Is a gift of God, not of works. Let me just explain that. By grace are you saved, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. That is referring to faith. By grace are you saved through faith. And that faith by which grace saves you is not of your own making. That faith by which grace saves you is a gift of God that you got without works. <laughs> so what is being talked about as being without works is not salvation in that context, but the faith by which grace saves you. By grace are you saved through faith and that, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works. In other words, you didn't walk to earn the gift of faith by which grace now saved you. <laughs> Do you get it? If you now look at Hebrews 12, 2 in that context, Christ is the author and finisher of your faith. Here's what Jesus did. He did the journey for you. He took faith. He generated faith. Did the journey of faith. Perfected faith. Finished faith and gave you finished product, faith. So your faith does not need refining. Do you understand? Your faith is finished. It's perfect. He gives you perfect faith. Your faith doesn't get better. You just get better at exercising your faith. (laughs) So when we're walking from faith to faith, it's not like my faith is 30% today. And then tomorrow my faith is now 60%. Ah, God did this big miracle for me. It's now 95%. I raised the dead. It's now 100%. No, 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 no. Your faith is perfect because it's not of yourself. It's of him. Therefore, he is the author of your faith. And he's the finisher of your faith. And therefore, your faith can never be of works. I was for free. I told you it gets deeper. Did you understand what I just said? So that's, that's, that's his love made perfect. So he created one man that he could spend all of his wrath on. That's God being loving. That's why he was dancing and jubilating when he was bruising Jesus. As cruel as it was, he had one sacrifice. He could bruise him to save billions for eternity. So he was jubilating. Even though he couldn't look at Jesus when he was jubilating, but hey, of course, he's a fair eyes to behold iniquity. Can you imagine how, how sinful Jesus was on the cross? This, can you imagine the weight that Jesus bore? The sins of the entire world on one man. One man. The weight. It wasn't the pain that killed him. Because he had taken all kinds of scourging and he was still alive. The other two were dead. Long dead. Who didn't come anything close to what he came through? Remember? They were long dead. 
But it was the weight of his sins. And he bore it long enough to take it all away. And screamed that it's finished. So God created one man that he could spend all his wrath on. Rather than spend it on the whole world. He spent it on one man. And by that one man, justified the whole world. Doesn't that sound like the gospel? Good news. <laughs> it had to be a man to pay the penalty. Why? Because it was a man that fell. It wasn't a God that fell. It was a man. And so in God's justice, it was necessary that a man pay the price. Romans 5 verse 12. One of our favorite scriptures. Is this helping anybody? Romans chapter 5 verse 12. I said that there are more physical Bibles in the room now. Praise God. Gradually. Some people who have not brought out their Bibles that they have hidden for six years. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 to 19. Oh my. Therefore, just as through one man. Can we say one man? Sin entered the world and death through sin. And thus, death spread to all men. Can you see the chain? Because all sinned. One man sinned. Through one man, death entered the world because all men sinned and therefore all men must die. Yes? For until the law, sin wasn't in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. Who is the type of him to come? I've explained this to you before. You did not need to do wrong to be a sinner. You just needed to be born. As them born you. <laughs> you were a big sin bomb waiting to happen. Do you understand? As you were born... You were born as sinful as you can ever be your whole life. The way faith is authored and finished is the same way when you were born, your sin was authored and finished. In other words, no sin you ever committed could make you a worse sinner than you were when you were born. Do you understand? No sin. Oh, me, I didn't do anything. I lived a, I lived a good life. I lived a pious life. You are still a sinner. On the same pedigree as Barabbas. Same pedigree. You and Hitler, no difference. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. Baby J here and Idi Amin. No difference. No difference. No difference. All you, all you needed to do was to be born. You didn't have to have sinned. You didn't have to have eaten apple. <laughs> What's my own? I didn't eat apple. <laughs> Everything God told me to do, I've always done. Why am I a sinner? No, I can't. And people struggle with this. That's why you ought to understand the gospel to be able to teach it correctly. So, prototype. 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 Look at yourself. You are a true son of your father. 
yeah, through son. It's prototype. It comes through. It comes in the blood. It comes in the blood. So that's the same thing. Even those who did not sin, according to the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him, capital H, who is to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. One man's offense, condemnation for everybody. Everybody's offense put together triggers one free gift that brings justification for everybody. Ah, uh, Did you get it? Yes. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation for everyone, right? But the free gift, singular, which came from many offenses resulted in justification. One sin, condemnation for everyone. And therefore, one free gift, justification for everyone. For if by one man's offense... Death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign and live, reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. 8, 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's obedience many were made sinners, so also, by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. I didn't sin because of works. I didn't have to do any sinful work to be a sinner. I just needed to be born of the first Adam. Why then do you have such a hard time comprehending the simple truth that as I was born of the second Adam, I don't have to do anything to be righteous? Otherwise, God would have shifted standards. I was, I was just born and I'm a sinner. I didn't need to do anything to sin. I was just a sinner. I, but then to be righteous, I have to do something about it. No, I, I, I just have to be born of the righteous offspring. And I am righteous. Nothing I did here could have made me righteous. Let me let that sink in. Nothing, 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 nothing I did here could make me righteous. Nothing I did here of the first Adam could make me righteous. I was dead. I was dead. Dead works. Dead works. Dead works. Dead works. The only option I have is to not be born if it was an option. I'm righteous by default. I'm righteous by default to the measure that I was a sinner by default. Now, it's it's a lofty idea for you to comprehend, but deal with it. Honestly, your, your liberty and your fullness of your redemption in Christ is unlocked at the point you realize that nothing can shift me from my righteous stance with God. Nothing. I know it sounds like blasphemy, but sister, nothing. The sooner you grasp it, the better for you. Because otherwise, we're peddling a different gospel 
that suggests I can, I can, yeah, it's true. Nobody's arguing with this one. Nobody's arguing that you didn't need to do anything to be a sinner. Why then are you arguing with the fact that I am righteous and nothing can shift me from it? I have to now do something to be righteous when I did not do anything to be a sinner. Where is the justice of God? Where is the justice of God? Is anybody getting this? Because you have to be double standards, wouldn't it? You can still hear me, right? Yeah? And that's the concept of righteousness, of redemption. That it has got nothing to do with you and it will never have anything to do with you. Isn't it amazing that even the, the faith that you have to believe the grace that saves you came from God? <laughs> what did you do? Oh, righteous brother. Religious auntie. What did you do? How can an unbeliever have the capacity to generate faith? Think about it. Where will it come from? We downplay the work of God all the time. Where can an unbeliever get capacity to generate faith? To believe. How? By grace, you're not saved by faith. Oh Lord, help me. You are not saved by faith. You are saved by grace. Accessed through faith. Faith is your access Faith is your access to the grace by which you are saved. What is extended to you for salvation was grace. How you access it is faith. And before you think that that faith is what I need to play, that's the role I need to play in being saved. (laughs) No, no, that faith is not of yourself. That faith is the gift of God. And it's not a gift that you earned. It's not of works. Before you come and boast and say, I, I got contrite in my heart, so I got saved. Did you, did you hear what I said? I, I felt convicted. I felt like I had sinned too much. I felt like I've offended God so much. Let me now repent. That's works. And just before you will show up and try to take glory for what God did alone. He did alone. He did alone. He did alone. He did alone. Before you will get up and say, well, you know, I just felt like, ah. Man, I have been a bad person. Yeah, man, my sins have, have, have been enough. Let me repent now. You would have robbed God of the exclusivity of the redemption story. Yes. So even that gift is not of works. Lest you can boast. Therefore, he says, if anyone boasts, let him boast in this. That he knows the Lord. That's our only boast. Can't boast that you helped God to save you. You can't. And that's why people struggle with being Christians. Because they can't wrap around what you require of them. And what we require of them continues to change from denomination to denomination. This church will tell you do it like this. In our church is like this. 
You don't go in that church. You say, no, no, it's like this. You don't go here, it's like this. You have gone through five churches, attended 17 different believers foundation class. None of them agree with each other. None of them agree with each other. So at the end of the people become confused. And works cannot sustain the person for too long. One day you will wake up and get tired of church. You're like, I'm not doing it again. I love Jesus. If he doesn't like me like this, then just let him leave it. And we have frustrated people out of the grace by placing on them a burden that neither us nor our fathers were able to bear. Remember that scripture I showed in Acts? So people live long lives and they're and they are, they are empty. There's no security. There's no peace. There's no fulfillment. Because we, know, we don't even know by what mechanism we are saved. We, don't, we can't explain it. Do this. Okay, do, have you done believer foundation? Okay, enter workers in training. Have you finished workers in training? Okay, enter minister's training. Have you entered minister's training? Okay, go to our bi- summer Bible school. Have you? And what you have learned in, in 10 weeks about the gospel, you have never learned in your whole life as a Christian. Yes. And that's why, we are, that's why we are desperate to want to feel something to know we are saved. That's why when they, pray, when they pray for you, you knew that there was no power in the hand. You knew you decided to fall. You decided to fall yourself. You knew that there was nothing. You didn't feel anything on that hand. Who am I talking to in this room? You knew, you knew, you knew. There was nothing. You knew. It was just a hand like my hand is on you like this. But to feel like a believer and not fall the hand of other people, you not threw yourself in. Who am I talking about? Who am I talking about? Yes. It's the truth. Because they've prayed for people. Prayed for people. Some people before they even touch them. So when it's your turn, you're like, me too, let me follow. At least there are two people behind me. Before they think I'm the one that's the antichrist or the demon. So when we, t- when we pray for you or pray with you and tell you you are healed, you're like, ah, pastor, there's no power. Because you want to feel something. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. So we tell you you are saved and you don't believe you are saved. Because that's it. That, listen, that was what was offered to Naaman that he rejected. A type of Christ. When Naaman was told, go and dip in the Jordan seven times, what Naaman was offered was the day of the Lord. What Naaman was offered was grace through faith. Naaman was like, no, give me some works, please. Uh, Naaman was like, that's it, I just believe. No, no. Just this Jordan, as dirty as it is. That's what I came all the way from Syria for. No, no, please. Please, please tell me something to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give, me, give, me, give me befitting rivers. I stand upon this holy altar. Which altar? But that's what you want. Because when the church was open, when they opened the doors of the church building, you now came, they now stopped at the altar and now prayed a special prayer for the altar. The spiritual father of the pastor now came and now dedicated the altar to the Lord and poured oil 
on the altar and say any prayer that is prayed upon this altar. That's the height of witchcraft and idolatry. Yes. Because you have made it a mediator between man and God. Yes. And there's only one, the man Christ Jesus. The man Christ Jesus. It's, it's nothing to do with you. Faith, not of yourselves. One man came and his obedience, everything that was demanded, required of humanity was demanded of him. Everything that was required of humanity to be righteous was demanded of him. He paid in full and I got the benefit. So when we say he paid the penalty, I already taught you three weeks ago that Christ, don't let anybody deceive you. Christ did not pay the penalty to Satan. Religion has taught you that when you fail, you now belong to Satan. No, you didn't belong to Satan. You still belong to God. That's why the law came to keep you as a guardian, to protect you for Jesus to come. <laughs> Satan just had right now to buffet you because you had left the way of life. Because you could no longer eat of the tree of life. Genesis chapter 3, please. Genesis chapter 2. Man was never banned from eating the tree of life until he fell. There were trees. There was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God never said, thou shalt not eat of the tree of life. He says, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but of every other tree you can eat, including and starting from the tree of life. So when man fell, God protected man from the tree of life because if he had eaten the tree of life in his falling state, he would have become eternally fallen. So God guards the way to the tree. Because the way was loading. <laughs> so when he came, he said, what did you lose? Tree of life. I'm the way now. Come. I'm the way. So he, he covers the way. Because the way was loading. The way had been slain before the fall. But before, so that's why in Revelation you see that our end result now is to eat the tree of life. Yes, 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 yes. To go back to where we fell. That's what we're eating now. Yes. <laughs> it had to be a man. Whew. Had to be a man. He became both our great high priest and our perfect sacrifice. Now, now, let, let me, let me, one scripture comes to my mind. Hebrews 2. Let me show you. Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2. Let me show you Hebrews 2. Let me, let me drive this point home a little further. Hebrews 2. <laughs> It'll be a bit of a read, but I'll just read it so you can hear what the Bible says. Verse 5. For he, God, has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5. But one testified in a certain place, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? I've showed that this was Christ, right? Or the son of man that you take care of him. 
You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. And that we saw that was from Sam, right? Yeah, it was, it was about Christ in its entirety. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him, but we see Jesus. Who was the one, emphasis mine, that was made a little lower than the angels? Yeah. Do you understand it? Yeah. For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. No exceptions. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and who and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he, Christ, is not ashamed to call them, us, brethren, saying, and this is Christ speaking, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. That's where I taught you that Jesus is a worship leader. You cannot lead worship, you cannot sing in praise and worship if Jesus was not singing on your behalf. Jesus says, musical Jesus, amen. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I, Jesus, will sing praise to you, God. So we sing and we use music and instruments to sing praise and worship to God because Jesus does. That's why I can never be too big to sing and praise and worship. When the person that saved me is singing praise and worship. That was for free. Verse 13. And again, Jesus speaking, I will put my trust in you. And again, here I am and the children whom God has given me. Now please watch this. I've never seen this before. 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood... He himself likewise shared in the same. That he through death might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Look up. Jesus is singing in heaven to the Father and saying, I will praise you. I will declare your your name in in the assembly of my brethren. I and the children you God has given me. Remember he says that the ones that come to me, no one comes as my father draws him. So I and the ones my father has given me, we will sing your praise. I and your children. And then he goes, oh, those children are flesh and blood. They are humans. So in order to identify that I'm the child from which they are becoming children, let me go down and become flesh and blood. That I can, on behalf of all flesh and blood, taste death. Look at it again. 14. In as much as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. What is the same? Flesh and blood. That true death, because only flesh and blood can die. That true death, he, Jesus, might destroy him who has the power of death. That is... The devil. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. 
Did you get it? Um, NLT. Because God's children are human beings. Made of flesh and blood. The son also became flesh and blood. For only as human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way, verse 15, could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. So, Jesus had, he had to be a man to pay the price because a man sinned. Yeah? A man sinned. And two, the price had to be paid by a man. Jesus is jubilating. Ah, and you know you have given me weight. No, no. They are human beings. Okay, let's take on human beings. And let's pay the price for all of them. Me, taste death for all of them. So now, they cannot die again because what causes them to be afraid of death has been removed. It had to be a man. That was why. Not because God could not have said, okay, let's keep Jesus in the spirit. After all, we had already slayed him from the foundation of the world. No, Jesus, in becoming flesh, was identifying with where you were to get you to where he is. In becoming flesh and blood, Jesus was identifying with where you were so he can get you to where he is. So now you and I are no longer flesh and blood. Because we didn't start off as flesh and blood. But since we had become flesh and blood by virtue of the fall, susceptible to death, because only human beings die. Did you see it in NLT? Only human beings die. So let's address the one weakness of flesh and blood, death. And only flesh and blood can address the weakness of flesh and blood. Because only living human beings can die. In order to die, let me come as a human being. So his death, leave that, leave Christmas. It wasn't about Christmas. It's not about Christmas. He had died before he was born. (laughs) It was because he had died that he was born. His death came before his birth. Because the lamb was slain. (laughs) So which came first? Change your theology. It was because he was dead that he was born. His death necessitated his birth. That his birth might play out his death. That had already taken place. His death necessitated his birth that his birth might play out his death. We were just acting what needed to be acted in time that had been perfected in eternity. It had to be a man. The man, not anyone. The new type man. The new prototype man. The man of a different order. The man. Christ Jesus. He became our high priest and our perfect sacrifice. Hebrews 5. Just a few chapters up. 
But I need, I need to show us a few things. Hebrews 5. 5 to 10. Is this helping anybody? He became both our great high priest and our perfect sacrifice. Hebrews 5, 5 to 10. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest. But it was God who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. He also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear that though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation. Can somebody say eternal salvation? The, the important word there is eternal. Can we say eternal salvation? Did you receive it? Eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Of whom? Let's stop there. Because now the story shifts from Jesus to Melchizedek. Because the writer realizes that we have not matured enough to handle the Melchizedek thing. Yeah? Okay. Let me show you one more. Hebrews 6, 19 to 20. Ah. I'm trying, I need to find, I need to get to a place where I can stop and then continue next week. <laughs> this hope, 19, Hebrews 6, 19. This hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, who, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. As high priest, Jesus entered the holy place by his blood. He obtained eternal salvation and redemption for us. He cleansed our consciences from dead works. Hebrews 9. He mediated a new covenant. I told you last week, two weeks ago, that you and God don't have any covenant. This is my covenant I have with God. Me and God have a covenant. Ratified by how? <laughs> Mediated by whom? God and God have a covenant about me. God and me had a covenant. It didn't work. <laughs> and God will sooner mediate with himself than lose me. Man, look at love. Look at love. He will sooner cut a covenant with himself than let me go. So he mediated a new covenant. That's why he's the only one that oversees it. He gave us the promise of eternal life. That's the most valuable thing God gave us. Promise of eternal life. You will, not, you will not die. You will not be lost. You, will not be, you can go to bed tonight as a believer and sleep and have no fear. That's how you should sleep, oh. Not being afraid of rapture. I'm serious. Do you understand? Sleep. 
Because if, 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 it was, if we had to do works, hmm, every day we are afraid. Every day we are unsure. Every day have I sinned? Did I sin in my sleep? Did I, did I sin in my thoughts? Did I, did I sin of commission, omission? Deliberately and indeliberately. Willingly and unwillingly. Knowingly and unknowingly. And, and you, 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 you don't have enough joy to live a healthy believer's life. You can't flourish as a believer. How much more exercise authority? You can't. Do you know what authority is? You are too sin conscious. You are too sin conscious. You are, what have I done wrong? This dress that I wore. This food that I ate. You watch a movie, you're not sure. Oh, the movie. Have I sinned in this part? But he obtained for us eternal salvation. When I stand before him, I'm being judged for works. What I did, what I did not do. But my salvation is eternally secure. I'm not, I'm not losing sleep about it. As long as Jesus came and did what he did, and, he, and I believe, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. All I'm doing now on the earth is living a life worthy of who I am, so I don't bring disgrace to the cross. I'm not trying to earn the cross. I'm just living worthy of the cross. Ephesians 4.1 I urge you therefore, brethren, walk worthy of the calling, not walk to obtain the calling. Walk worthy of the calling. I'll continue next week. <laughs> I can't finish this today. So we're still on part 10. He paid the penalty for my sins. Put your hand on your chest and say, my sins have been paid for in full. I have no condemnation. I am justified. I am sanctified. I am redeemed. I am eternally secure. And nothing can change that. Give him praise if you believe that tonight. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.